welcome to Brain Noodles, the Geeks Like Us podcast, where some psychologists talk about the current events and then the different topics that our brains are noodling on. I'm Dr. Megan Connell. I'm a psychologist in North Carolina. I'm also one of the co-founders of Geeks Like Us, the Dungeon Master for Clinical Role. And I'm joined today by my usual co-hosts here. Uh, we'll start off with, let's do with Dr. Sarah first. Okay, hello. I'm Dr. Sarah Sawyer. I am a uh, private practitioner out in Seattle, Washington. I also am the content manager for Take This. I am an advisor on the board of Leyline Geek Therapy Certification Training. Um, I am wrapping up authorship and editing on a book. And I do thumpins and uh, brain noodles with kids like us. About Dr. Rachel. I am Dr. Rachel Cowart. I am the research director of Take This, which is a mental health nonprofit that serves the gaming industry and the gaming community. I am currently a little sick, so forgive my voice if it sounds weird. And I do clinical role on geeks like us. And last but not least, Dr. Kelly. Hey, everybody. My name is Dr. Kelly Dunlap. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm also uh, a faculty, an adjunct faculty member at American University, and I teach in the game lab, so game design, culture, stuff like that. And I'm also the program manager for Take This's streaming ambassador program. So wait, yeah. I'm the only one who doesn't do stuff for Take This now. Yes. Wow. Yes. You are unofficially yeah. part and of it. Actually, I do have a Take This yes. article that should be getting reposted, which is like the 12 days of self-care I did. Yeah, that's being posted mm-hmm. right now. So, yeah. yeah. I do oh, that. Shameless plug, too. If you wish to write more for Take This, of mm-hmm. course, you may do so and ask me to publish it because I'm the person who <laughs> regulates and greenlights the clinical content postings and or listeners. If you are a mental health clinician, you are more than welcome. There is a form you can fill out on our website to submit clinical expert content. <laughs> but to digress... <laughs> All right. So we're like, as we're recording this, we are rapidly heading into the Christmas and New Year's season. So um, this is known to be a stressful time of year. So how are you guys doing? How's everyone holding up? So far, so good. (laughs) We're all just like looking at each other, nervously smiling. Um, I would say so far so good. I um I bought I did all my shopping. I didn't buy that much this year. My husband said that I am no fun, but I do not like to buy lots of stuff just for the sake of buying stuff. So I bought my children um things that I normally buy them and I just wrapped them, like markers and crayons and sketch pads and things. Um I'm that mom, I guess. Oh, but I did get them lightsabers. They are getting lightsabers. I know we're talking about Star mm-hmm. Wars later. And my husband is a bit bananas and he got like replica movie prop quality lightsabers imported from who knows where, but it'll be super cute. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I'm kind of the opposite of I want all the presents and I want everyone to have lots. <laughs> like if the tree is not vomiting presents, then I'm not doing uh, I'm not doing it right. Um, so it's a little bit tough because we're doing like a small Christmas here. We'll spend actual Christmas with my in-laws. And then for New Year's, my parents are coming out. So we're going to do another small Christmas then. So I'm trying to balance like, okay, the tree may not be vomiting presents because there are going to be three Christmases. So at least a third of the tree should be vomiting presents. And I think I'm getting there. Um, but I also just completely delight in it. My, my son is three and we have a mailbox that has Santa on it. So he's been writing letters to, oh, I've been writing letters to Santa, we put it in there and then he goes to bed and then I take the letter out. <laughs> Don't listen to this grant. <laughs> Don't listen to this. Um, I take the letter out. Um, of course, the, there's the elf, the elf on the shelf as well. So I'm like, oh, the elf took it. And then I actually have like special cards and then with Santa stickers that I put in the mailbox like the day after. Um, so he puts in a letter and then like, it's two days, so it's not immediately after, but it's two days after. And then he gets a note back from Santa. Um, and I'm really, like, just delighting in his joy and, like, Mommy, today's 18. Let's move the snowflake. Because we have an advent calendar mm-hmm. where we move the snowflake. And, um, yeah, that makes me all sorts of warm and fuzzy and, and happy. And, of course, the mandatory coordination of, okay, this is the Santa wrapping paper and tags and ribbon <laughs> and writing style and taping style. And here is the generic, uh, you know, for mommy and daddy stuff. 
And of course, you know, I haven't got, gotten the pets their presence yet. So I'm, I'm a little bit stressed uh, <laughs> trying to make all the things work, you know, running three Christmases. But uh, it, is, it is filled with joy and just like his little face is just, it just makes it worthwhile. Oh, it's awesome. So sweet. Uh, it's bittersweet this season for me for a host of reasons, but uh, preparation for the holidays specifically um, has been going well. We tend to be a last minute family, but um, decorations are all up. Opposite of you, Kelly. I uh, <laughs> The only presents wrapped and ready under the tree are for the dog. Um, <laughs> everybody else still needs shopping for, but my wife and I are going tomorrow actually to finish that off. So, um, and then I'm going to do a whole host of online gift card shopping to have, although by principle, I'm a person who normally does not care to, um, purchase gift cards in lieu of real gifts. I'm the person who will quest and save a gift for six months in order to have the proper and most thought out Christmas present. Uh, but I will be doing gift cards this year um, for the planned trip that we're all giving each other. So I'm going to have those probably purchased at a store local to family and then have them pick it up. Um, so feeling a little frazzled, but not too bad. Work has been really demanding. So that's more where my attention has been to clear up. So when the holiday comes, I'm ready. Nice. Yeah, I think I think I'm done with all my shopping. Stuff has to arrive from Amazon, but then I've got... I was going to start wrapping presents the other day, but we had no tape. So um, Hubs is out actually getting tape now. Um, and But I have realized I sent him to the store before looking to see if we had wrapping paper. So uh, there might be a chance of we'll have tape, but no wrapping paper. Oh, great. <laughs> Just throwing it out there from a couple episodes ago. I'm really good with tape. So, you know. <laughs> that is true. Let me know, let me know if I can help. <laughs> Well, let me ask you guys, uh, I, I have to know, what is the traditional Christmas meal that you all have? Because I know everyone has different traditions. So uh, for me, it's not the dinner meal. I, my family, it was always breakfast. We, we did a sausage and egg casserole and then these potato sticky buns. Like, a, uh, not, like they were made with a potato um, dough. So like potato bread, but in sticky bun form. And they are amazing. Uh, my mom always makes a big deal about like roasting beef and do it, doing something with beef and fancy meats. And she gets very excited about it. But like, honestly, I care more about the breakfast. Sounds awesome. And my family, there's a traditional Christmas Eve dinner, which is, um, Mexican food. I don't know how my super waspy family got to this point. Um, but yeah, every, every Christmas Eve, um, like my, my mom's mom make hand makes enchiladas and tamales and tacos, like fry our own shells and everything like that. Um, and so that's always one of my favorite meals. And then similarly Christmas morning, there's a big breakfast, you know, eggs and bacon and toast. And I, the thing that I usually was most excited about and pretty much still am, is it the one day a year, my mom would get like the grand cinnamon rolls and like, the icing on them that was the only time we ever got them um so yeah just those those two back to back for us and then there's usually a nice dinner on christmas day as well but again it's about the christmas eve fiesta and the morning breakfast i love the christmas eve fiesta that is amazing <laughs> i know that's so great uh so it's a long long thing so i'm not going to go through all of it but Christmas Eve, the abridged version, Christmas Eve is a huge, uh, Christmas is our holiday family-wise. Um, Christmas Eve dinner is a fancy meal, whatever fancy meal may entail. Surf and turf, the like, fancy veggies on the side, usually asparagus. Um, and Christmas Eve is much less important familially than Christmas Day. Christmas morning is also brunch, akin to Megan. Um, we too have a sausage egg casserole, very specific recipe. Um, also a ham and a uh, spicy pepper jack cheese casserole with a very specific crust. Same recipe every year. Uh, Scandinavian roots lead to a very finicky, very difficult to create um, almond wreath pastry with uh, like a bechamel extract. Yeah, no bechamel. <laughs> a frosting that is made with... <laughs> 
with specifically almond flavor, much much is due to the Scandinavian roots. And then hot fruit, which is canned fruit, heated up with cinnamon and uh, nutmeg, <laughs> and uh, fizzy, what, 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 orange fizz, uh, peach fizz, peach, peach fizz, but it contains orange juice, which is like, <laughs> it, it's extra, guys. <laughs> um, it is a frozen, how do we do it anymore? We used to, back in the heyday before my mom got health conscious, Sprite and orange juice, frozen concentrate, you drop it in there, blended with like fruit, like canned peaches. Now we do it totally different of like, of course, now that we're adults, champagne with um, real, real like fresh and then frozen peaches and oranges and orange juice um, blended up. So it's kind of like a smoothie, but it's fizzy and delicious. So what I'm hearing okay. is that we have think, a, a brain needles cookbook in the, uh, in the works. Yes. Yes. And then and it's called the food of Minnesota. <laughs> yes. Appetizers all day, which is like a veggie tray and meat and cheese. And then a dinner usually, but nothing too fancy at that point. Just like ham and cheesy potatoes. Well, Sarah, didn't you also have some sort of like candy salad for your Thanksgiving? Yeah. Oreo salad. <laughs> Oreo salad. <laughs> It is Thank Oreos you. and Cool Whip, mash um, and complete. <laughs> I need a Sarah cookbook. <laughs> actually, remind you, one of the things that we, we usually make around this time, we call it orange salad. Um, but what it oh, is, yeah. it's basically orange jello mixed with orange sherbet and topped with marshmallows. Wow. See, you remove the sherbet and you add some carrot, shredded carrot, and that is Iowa all the way. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Sure, wait, wait, no, no, no. If this you want it. Sherbert for carrots. I'm not, I'm not on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's salad. It's salad. If you want to really be specifically accurate, it's ambrosia salad. I'll stick. Yeah, the pineapple and the, it's gross. Yeah, I'll stick with the, the sherbet. <sighs> <laughs> it sounds better. Oh my gosh. Gross. What do you do yeah. for food, Rachel? <laughs> um, I realizing I need to do a brunch, right? I feel like I'm going to have to make that a yep. tradition and get some of Sarah's brunch recipes. Um, I, we do uh, Christmas lasagna. My mom's Italian, so the one day a year that she made lasagna, and which is now the one day a year I make lasagna for Christmas. Um, but my husband always says, like, everyone has ham and turkey, and why do we have lasagna? Like, it's a bad thing, because lasagna is delicious, so I don't know what his problem is. But, um, yeah, maybe I'll placate him with some breakfast casseroles. I like that idea. I got some recipes for you. Same. Yeah, send them my way. <laughs> yep, send, them, send all the breakfast listeners, send me all of your Christmas brunch recipes. I will try. Maybe we could put a few of our recipes in the show notes for this episode. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> Sure thing. Now, something else is happening this week, though, that has nothing to do with Christmas. And everything to do with... Oh, well, there's that. Oh. <laughs> that, that's, that's its own thing. Sorry, I live in, yeah. live in D.C. I, I, oh, that I, is true. Can I... Mm -hmm. I want to dub a new word, a new phrase for the show. Okay. Can we do it? Our geek of the week, the thing that we're excited about, or the person we're excited about. Yes, I like this. Okay, so what is your Geek of the Week thing? Uh, Star Wars was the topic, Yes, right? that's where I was going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars! Yeah! I, so how are you guys all feeling about the Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. I'm stoked. So excited. I'm stoked. Ah, I'm so excited. I'm I also have her in one of those where I don't want to watch any trailers. Like, I don't yeah. want anybody's hot take. <laughs> I don't want anybody's review. Like I really am doing very uh, dedicated, mindful work around like just skipping anything that has to do with it. Cause I know it's going to be a hot second before I get to go see it because child and finding child, like it's, it just makes things more complicated. Um, but grandparents are coming into town. So maybe, maybe sooner than I think. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I think, the end of a trilogy is always hard. And so I hope that um, people keep that in mind. Like it is going to come to an end and that inevitably has some kind of like emotional resonance of, you know, we're not, we're not at the apex really anymore. We're on, we're on the resolving action, so to speak in the trilogy. Um, 
but I'm, I'm excited to see, to see how it plays out. I would say I'm a little nervous. Um, JJ Abrams is known for creating a wonderful question, but not always knowing how to answer it. And so like, I, I hope they stick the landing. <laughs> I want to like it. I want to be super excited for it, but I don't know. Well, there will be lens flares. I mean, yes. <laughs> JJ Abrams. So, well, and Leia's going to have a, a prominent role, right? So that, that seems promising. Is she though? Cause Carrie Fisher died before they started filming. Yes, but um, I read an interview that <clears throat> this story in the third movie was meant to be uh, Leia-focused, and so they did everything they could to take the footage that they had of her, and they rewrote the story around the existing footage hmm. that they had. Okay. So she'll at least have a role. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. That That's yeah. also going to, I think, going to be a difficult feel of, like, going to see it, knowing that, you know, she's not our yeah. general. Our general isn't there anymore. Um, yeah. How about you, Sarah? You're being quiet. Huh? What are your thoughts on Star Wars? And I'm ashamed because I'm a movie behind, so oh. I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> confessional well, this week. It. It's not a gaming confessional. It's just a general geek <laughs> confessional. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably gonna have to go into a Twitter hole though, starting tomorrow. To yeah, right. to not get the spoilers for it. But I will say uh, yeah. for uh, Endgame, uh, TJ Storm sent out my favorite review for a pre-release, which was, no spoilers, Endgame. If you need to go to the bathroom, do so when it says San Francisco, New Jersey, or when Hulk is eating breakfast. Uh-huh. And that was his whole review. That was, was awesome. like, <laughs> the places you could go pee. <laughs> awesome. So TJ, if you listen to our podcast... <laughs> Yeah, give us a good, give us a good Star Wars pee yeah. break time. That'd be great. I feel like this calls for an impromptu study on how many how many depends are purchased prior to <laughs> large movie releases. So many. I, I feel like I mean the, the the main strat though is just don't get the giant soda. Yeah, like just don't no, get the yeah. giant soda, and you'll be you'll be fine. You can get the large popcorn, and if you bring in water, then the salt and the water combine, they absorb, and you don't have to pee. But don't get the giant soda. I mean, or or do so at your own risk. Yeah. Or where it depends. And then the problem is solved. Have never tried this strategy, <laughs> but would imagine it works. Oh There's no if, movie I want to see that bad that I am gonna not get up. I, I mean, like, I feel like I could pee pretty quick. So it also depends on how close the bathroom is. Because, you know, at least some of the theaters out here, you know, in the, the wider DMV, as we call it, are quite large. Um, and so the, the ladies can be far away. So even if you're quick, it might, it might take a hot, it might take a hot minute. And you just, you never know what you're going to miss. That's true. Any predictions? Because when this podcast comes out, the movie will already be out. So our listeners will know if we are right or wrong. But do you guys have any predictions for what's going to happen? I predict that I predict the movie will be good. That is my prediction. <laughs> I predict the good guys will win. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll go on record here. Oh, boy. I think they really are setting up for Grey Jedi. That we're not going to have light side and dark really? side. I think we are going a Grey Jedi path. With Kylo, both Kylo and Rey. I think. And well, think Rey? about how oh, much Rey's gosh. been tempted by the dark side and pulled into that. Yeah, but she always she always she does out of it, she does. Man. But and that's not saying that this is mm. not saying like yeah it can't exist. It's just that balance between the you know the basically like the creative and the destructive and bringing the two together. I would yeah. I mean, I think that would be cool for Kylo, but I would be so sad if that happened. Maybe maybe it's not gray because I feel like that <laughs> implies the mix of the good and the bad. But rather, mm-hmm. those two things are within all of us, and it is what we decide to focus on and to drive our energy to that maybe um because i do feel like the trilogy up to this point has really been driving home the idea that there is no chosen one you know the the force is within all of us we all have midichlorians um and that like yeah there's there's not this this lineage or not this like blue blood kind of king savior lineage but rather who is it who steps up who's willing to, to go into that place and to be brave and to be courageous. Um, and I think you see that with 
the kind of retiring in the different ways of the older characters and handing it over to the newer generation of characters and that there isn't necessarily a, a pedigree um, and that it's, it's always about us. The, the force was inside all of us all along. Well, I, I could see that too. I like, um, I don't know. There's a couple of things I'll say I don't want to see in this. Ooh, I want to hear about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see a ton of clone stuff. Like, there's been some rumors floating around that the thought is going to be that Ray is a clone or something. Ew, no. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> we're, we're a no, no. on that. I, that. I don't want Ray to have some sort of great, like, I don't want her to be Emperor Palpatine's daughter or granddaughter or anything. I, I love the idea that she has come from nothing. I, yes. Oh, I think she might I know. I don't that want to undercut everything they've built up to this point. I know. And, that and I, that's why I'm nervous. Because, <laughs> like, those are things I want. Yeah, I think she might be. I also yeah. don't want a love story. I'll throw out there. Yes. Let her be alone. Don't need no oh, man. No. There's totally going to be a love no. story. No. Unless it's between Porgs, then I'm cool with that. Like, <laughs> Porg on Porg, <laughs> but not Ray. Like, leave her alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't need no man. I think there will. <laughs> yeah. Now we're all making predictions. Yeah, nope. So nope. I, I was sneaking you all in to make predictions, and yeah, it works. <laughs> but we'll... since I know nothing about the most recent part of the story, I'm going to make an offhanded, completely uh, wild card prediction that Ray's going to go bad, and uh, what's his name is going to go good. Kylo. Kylo. Yep. Interesting. I that would be a really interesting arc. Oh, yeah, like Green Ranger that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a nice deep cut for us 90s kids. Yes. Speaking of, oh, my God, all the 90s cartoons on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> oh, man, Disney+, Plus is the jam. Oh, my gosh. I oh, yeah. Every Disney episode Plus. of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is on Disney+, Plus, and so my life is infinitely better. <laughs> the Gargoyles cartoon. I just can't handle the hot dog song. <laughs> hot dog, yeah. hot dog, hot dog. <laughs> And now for the next two weeks, I'm going to hate it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> I'm just here for break. I'm oh, my God. Break. That, that, was, that movie was, like, done. formative. I, I don't know. Like, there's these, yeah. these movies that you think about or, like, books you read. We're like, okay, yes. So, for me, like, Shades Children was a book by Garth Nix that I read um, in, like, fifth grade that was hugely influential. And Brink. Like, when I think about my adolescence, I think about brink uh, i don't i don't know why yeah. it had it resonated so much because i am not a skateboard dude or even skateboard dude adjacent but that movie i don't know just it connects but brink is rollerblading see see i don't even remember <laughs> but the feeling it's the feeling that matters it had wheels it had wheels involved and probably a half pipe so yeah it was close rollerblades damn uh, that's a really good question. What are some of like those influential stories? So Kelly, you just shared yours. Like Sarah, Rachel, what would be some of your like key moment influential stories that stuck with you? Ah, oh, the never ending oh. story. Yes. Yep. Same. Name. Give me a new name. Oh, the never ending story gets me every time. It's so when good. The, when the horse sings. Uh, oh. Bawling. Bawling. Ugly tears. Every time. Yeah. The Lion King about- for sure. Never ending oh, yeah. story. Brink. I was a big media based kid. I the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time <laughs> hit when I was at an age where I was deathly afraid of the content. So when my brother would play that, I would like run Aww. away. I saw him on his horse and that was cool, but whenever he battled bad guys, I was like, nope. Swerve. It's okay. There. I saw E.T. when I was little and it literally has traumatized me to this day like there's been this et resurgence and i like turn the channel every time or like mute the ad or like it's still there's something about et that just it lights up every fight or flight response i have and i just want to like run so probably childhood trauma but yeah (laughs) influential and not a not a positive way i'm not not here for et oh no or reese's pieces for that matter so (laughs) by association See, and E.T. and Ghostbusters were my jam. My first time visiting Universal and Disney, those were the only things I wanted to see. There's a photo of old Dr. Sawyer, Suga, seven years old, standing in front of the, ghost, the, the Ghostbusters car. Factor one. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. It's okay. When I was at Universal, I, I went on the E.T. ride that was there. Because I was loved it. Forced to. And of course, at the end, he says your name. And little Kelly yeah. was like, how the fuck does he know my name? 
that just made it all worse. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> See, the earthquake ride inspired my deathly fear of earthquakes. Fair. And Jaws, you know, spiked my fear of mechanical sharks. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> mechanical sharks are terrifying. True. <laughs> See, I think for me, if I was to pick like just one film that was like the most influential of my childhood, it would actually have to be The Last Unicorn. Oh my god! I think I only ever saw it actually once as a kid, but that movie stuck with me. And I, I recently we rewatched it, and I've had my girls watch it a couple times, and it's, it just holds up. It's the music is corny and wonderful, and it's a really cool story, and just completely awesome. The soundtrack is now playing in my head, and if I could carry a tune even in a bucket, I would sing it. But that that song is so high that I oh yeah, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> um, but I'm like. <laughs> no. oh it's so good and um there's this band that my husband found uh called ninja sex party and he has uh two albums called under the sheets which are under the covers sorry which are covers that he's doing of old, old 80s songs and stuff and he does the whole last unicorn i think the whole album but yeah it's really good so good it's so good and then like the two books i well okay one i'm gonna cheat a little bit three books Technically, well, one's a series. So the Little House on the Prairie series was very shaping on how to oh, yeah. think about others and how to be kind towards others. And then understanding like the struggle that women go through um, for the True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle and then um, uh, Tree Goes in Bro- Grows in Brooklyn. Those were humongously influential books for me as well. I've never read Little Women. Ever. Oh. Did I read Little? I did read Little Women. But no, Isn't that what you said was one of the most influential? No, no, Little House on the Prairie. Oh, never read that either. So. <laughs> uh, was a Midwest staple. Yeah. I'm there with yeah. you. Just, just for context. All right. So where I went to school, um, my English class when we had to do Shakespeare was literally, okay, we have a week to read Romeo and Juliet. And our teacher literally just gave us the cliff notes. And so I've actually never read any Shakespeare <laughs> Um, or had any kind of education in in that way. So there, I feel like there's a lot of staples that I just, I never got in my education because our, like even when we were supposed to do American lit, our, my, my teacher just had us read all Russian lit. So I've read, you know, War and Peace, Anna Karenina, uh, Crime and Punishments, Notes from the Underground. Like I've read all of that, but when it comes to staples like Moby Dick or Little House on the Prairie or stuff like that. I'm like, mm, sorry, this is why I'm really bad at Jeopardy. So don't ever, don't ever put me on your trivia team if it's literary. Well, I mean, the good news is there's a new book in town, right? For, for our children to become. That is very true. This is me swinging in. This is me just like weaseling in. Yes. So Pragmatic Princess was my children's book, short story compilation that was published. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I know that you all, you all, have you all yes. gotten them all? Have you gotten yes. it, Sarah? Okay, made it to the West Coast. Excellent. Um, and there's some available on Amazon um, if anyone is interested in checking it out. But it's about girls being self-sufficient. Hey, Sarah's holding up her book. Um, girls being self-sufficient. So it's a good story for little girls, I would say, I don't know, between 3 and 11-ish to become empowered and read stories about everyday girls solving everyday problems. And boys. And boys. I'm sending it to my my little and nephews. So. I, I got yeah, it. I think it's just as important for boys. I got it. Open it up. Like, like, look through it really quick and then I have to wrap it, up, wrap it up and now it's underneath the tree as part of the Christmas tree moment. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. That's what I like to hear. That's amazing. Well, let's take a quick break and actually when we come back, let's talk a little bit about gift giving and what that looks like and what that means. So we'll be right back. Are you looking for a book to talk to children about girls? Do you want to see little ladies solving their own problems? Buy Pragmatic Princess today on Amazon by Dr. Rachel Cohort. Megan's looking at me like it's time. And we're back. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about gift giving and how you pick gifts and how you go about that. So I'm going to start, Sarah, you were mentioning that you will hold on to gifts for six months or more to give the right gift to mm-hmm. people to how do you go about like figuring out what <laughs> gifts to give people and who to give gifts to like there's 
I don't know. It, there's so much pressure. Like it feels like you have to give gifts to everybody, which then when you're trying to mm. be on a budget and stuff can be an extra big challenge. And I don't know. Oh, so when it comes to my strategizing, it's less about who all to give them to and more about, um, I, I don't know if it's the way that because of behavioral shaping, <clears throat> now my mind is wired when I go into a store. Um, for example, one time, the other day, after uh, Rachel had left here from PAX West in the end of uh, August, early September, I was in the grocery store probably two weeks later, a month later, and I saw a notebook with space cats on it. And while one doesn't think about, you know, stationary at the grocery store or anything like that, I saw it and I knew immediately because her daughter loves space. Not, not like space like woohoo NASA, but like space like stars and planets specifically. And so her, her style of space and everything. And she was trying to get her daughter prepped for the school year. And so I knew all of these kind of things about her child and saw this notebook and absolutely knew I had to ship it to Canada. So I did that and it wasn't about timing, it was about opportunity and that's the way that my family has always approached gift giving. And so in my closet right now, mom, turn off the, turn off the speaker if you're listening to this for some weird reason for the next like 20 seconds. I have, I have <laughs> on our way to our wedding location in July, I, f I found in this antique store this platter that is shaped like a fish because my parents live on a lake and she loves lake specific decor and like food items. And so I found and have this fish platter in my closet <laughs> waiting for the next time I go home. <laughs> so that's, that's the strategy, but gift giving, I tend to family will always get gifts in some way, shape or form because Christmas is our holiday and that's what we do. But Outside of that, if I, if I, the likelihood's high that I'm celebrating the holidays specifically with someone, then I'll think about gift giving and then tertiary from there as can afford. Rachel Kelly, how about for you? How do you decide what gifts to give people? And so there's kind of like an unspoken agreement amongst my immediate and like wider family that gifts are for the kids. And so, you know, my brother and sister and I, we don't share with each other, but we do give presents to, you know, our nieces and nephews to each other's kids. Um, and of course, my parents were still their kids. And so they will often gift us things. And we try to, um, it's usually like a picture of one of our, of our children. It's usually the, the return gift for them. Um, but that's one nice kind of way that we have this kind of truce because otherwise we just end up swapping gift cards. And that just is like, I don't, I don't know what my brother-in-law wants. I don't, I don't even know what my brother wants. So like, we just, we just don't do that. And that helps a lot. Um, when it comes to like picking gifts, I, it, it's almost like um, a food pyramid for me uh, when I'm thinking about my, my little ones. Um, so my nieces, my nephews, as well as my son of like, okay, you're all getting a book. You're getting a book of some kind. So just accept it. You're getting a book. And then I want there to be something physical. So like something that you actually go out and, and do. Um, and so for like my nephew, I got him, his favorite character is Black Panther. He's just learning to read. So I had this cute little Black Panther chapter book to get him started. And then I'll probably also get him tickets to like a local monster truck rally because then he can go and, and do something. And it's the same thing with, with Grant. Like a lot of his presents are books because he loves books. A lot of them are games that are social with us or like require him. There's one uh, called The Floor is Lava. And you put down mats and you have to like match colors and numbers and, and jump, like jump from thing to thing. So I'm like, yay, yes, go be, be active. Um, and so trying to find that balance for the kids. And then for adults, I'm, I'm very like weepy and sentimental. At least I try to be. And so I try to think about something that would um, mean something to them. Like, I don't want to get stuff for stuff's sake, but like, um, you know, so for parents, it's pretty easy. Like, okay, here's a mug with your grandkids face on it. That's, that's pretty, pretty easy. Uh, my husband's a little bit more difficult because like, all I want for Christmas is you, <laughs> whatever. Um, but probably the coolest gift I, gift I ever gave had nothing to do with Christmas. It was, um, a friend of mine who I used to work with was on maternity leave. And I happen to be at Barnes and Noble and they, they sell these amazing, um, I don't even know what to call them, but they're, they're like, it's, it's a book. Like it's got a hard case on it, but inside the book are a bunch of envelopes and each envelope was, um, specifically like for when you're stressed 
And then you open the envelope and then there's a letter that you as the gift giver write in. And so I went, there were like 15 of these envelopes, each with a different prompt. And so I went through and wrote about my experience as being a new mom. Um, and then I sent it to her. And so she got it. She's like, oh, that's really sweet. And then she only realized later that you could actually open the envelopes. And so she's like, <laughs> oh my God, that's the sweetest thing. And it just like, it felt so good to give something that, that mattered and that was important. And, um, so that's, that's what I try to do. Like, yes, the husband will get socks and underwear because that's what he, he wants, but like, what, what else, what is going to be meaningful and impactful and that moment of like, Oh, that's, that's what I'm going for is that awe moment. That's lovely, man. I need to up my gift giving. That's, <clears throat> that's a really good gift. Kelly. Um, for me, it's very similar. I tried to give, I always give a book, a book, a toy and something to eat is kind of like my, my trifecta, but I get, that's what I get for my children and my brother's children. Our family is relatively small. And apart from that, it's like my husband always gets, um, a Vistaprint calendar for his desk with pictures of his children on it. And the grandparents always get a calendar and they know that's what they're getting every year. And then, um, for my very close friends, I only have like a couple of them that I send. Um, Harry and David does these, they're called Riviera Pears. It's not an ad. Could be. I buy them every year. Um, but they come wrapped in like little gold paper and they're always super ripe and sweet and delicious. And my grandma used to send those to us every Christmas. And so I have a couple of friends and every Christmas I send them those pears because it's edible, right? They don't need anything. Uh, and it's just like thoughtful and it's delicious. And I should really start sending myself a box of those pears because I don't ever eat them because I keep sending them to other people. Um, but yeah, I try to keep it. I think edible gifts are the best. Like I sent my brother a big box, like a toy and a book for his kids and then like candies and goodies, like maple cookies and things because I'm in Canada. He's not. Um, so just try to keep it contained, which is hard. And then you have the teachers. And I always go a little bit bananas with the teachers because you don't know where to draw the line. Because it's like my child has, my preschooler has three teachers, and then there's a French teacher, and there's a gym teacher, and there's an after school teacher. And it's like, okay, I can't buy, you know, like stuff for just like four children in the world and then like 18 teachers. Um, so I find like that's probably the hardest line for me to draw. But when it comes to family, they know book, toy, food, that's it. That's cool. One of the things I had done for a while and I fell off from it because I think I forgot it until you had mentioned this was um, for kids like thinking of for a want, a need, a wear, a read. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. I was, I, that was the guidelines I was doing. It's like, okay, something they want, something that they need, something that they can wear, some clothing, and then a book of some kind. And that was really good guy, you know, guidelines that fell off. I need to redo that. <laughs> <laughs> It helps keep you like having that in mind, like having any kind of structure, whether it's always get a book or, or those four items or whatever it is, I think helps you from not being out of control because I went to wrap my presents and I will tell you my presents got out of control. I was like, why are there so many boxes of presents stashed in this closet? It's going to be like Kelly's tree this year. Yes. I bought so many things. Yeah. I Cause you lose, you track. do. Well, and, and like, it's so dangerous to go into a store and not have like specific gift categories at least in mind just to be like i'm just gonna walk around target and buy things that look like people will enjoy that's bad yeah, yeah i do that for my kid and i know I mean, full disclosure i only have one so i feel like i can i can do that and as they multiply i'm sure that would change if that if they multiply which i, I don't know about that anyway <laughs> um but yeah like having those kind of limits and honestly like the the unspoken agreement between the adults of like we're not giving stuff to each other has been like this huge stress relief. Um, like my sister makes ornaments every year. She gets like the little bulb and like puts confetti in there and like their family picture from when they do that. And they exchange that and that, like that, that's totally fine, but there's no expectation. And that I think really, at least for me, de-stresses because it's mm -hmm. fun to shop for kids. I'm like, Oh, I would have loved that when I was whatever. And one of my nephews loves dinosaurs. Like he could probably teach paleontology class. Like he, he knows everything about dinosaurs. Um, and so like finding, I found a dinosaur drone. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what, what can I get for my nephew that he'll love that my brother will hate? <laughs> that is like the sweet spot. And of course there's three of us. And so we, you know, 
compete with one another who can get like the coolest kid toy that will also drive the parent. Um, Completely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's fun. Like that's, that's almost part of the fun of the, the gift giving is like, Oh look, you know, we found I, my, my brother literally told me, yeah, we went to target and we found the noisiest toy and that's what we gave Grant. <laughs> yep. And guess what? The batteries got lost. Oh no. Funny, Funny how they didn't get there. Hmm. <laughs> well, this is, I think like for me, gift giving became more of a challenge. Um, Cause we, we read a few articles around like what gifts are the best to give. And um, I think back to in the, it was probably in the late nineties. Cause that's about the time when I was watching this today show, they were interviewing people about what gift their best friend had given them for Christmas the year before. And what they were finding with just like a completely non-scientific, just straw poll of people on the street was people were remembering when they got handmade gifts or like some sort of sentimental or funny gift, like an inside joke. Uh, but then if they got like anything store-bought or something like that, they really didn't remember. Um, and so I was like, huh, why am I spending all this time at the store if they're not going to even remember what I give them? I can spend twice as much time trying to make something myself. Yes. <laughs> and I like that, that. I think for me, that's one of the hardest things is I want to make the thing. And I have all these ideas of how to make the thing. I just lack the skills <laughs> to make the thing. Like what I wanted to do for my mom was I wanted to create um, like a, a scrapbook for, you know, my, my son's third year of life or like second to third year of life, whatever that is. I'm like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just go to the craft store and I'll pick up a scrapbook and I'm sure all the materials I need are there. And then I go down that aisle and I'm like, I have no idea what I am doing. Oh my God. What even is half this stuff? And like, I just, I literally almost left in like a panic, not quite a panic, but like too much overwhelmed too much. And so I go online and I'm like, pre-made scrapbook and even then they're not super great or helpful and so I'll probably resign myself to just doing one of those like shutterfly drop in a hundred pictures and then they print it and then I feel bad because I'm like I want it I I want to do it I I want to put in the effort I want to make this thing with my hands but my hands are only good for for gaming and (laughs) not, not for creating um they're good for tape they are. They are quite good for tape yes. and digital drawing noodle doodles. Yes. Noodle doodles. That's true. That's, yeah. Michael's is a dangerous store. So is AC Moore. Just like, oh, I'm sure <laughs> I, I could do that. No. Yeah, I think for me, it is the time to make the gifts and stuff. But like, you know, in the articles we were reading, it was talking about giving experiences you know, like going out to a special dinner or taking, doing something special with your friend as their gift or just asking, like, what would you like? <laughs> you know, it can really help make sure that you give a good gift. But it, it, I don't know. It's tricky trying to figure out the right, how to do all of that. I think something that gives of your time. So whether that's going out to dinner or buying tickets to an event, like my brother was asking me, he didn't know what to get his wife for Christmas because not that she's like, all that picky but you know she has specific taste so he's like i don't want to buy her something she doesn't like and i was like why don't you take her to a show like to the opera to the symphony to a comedy show like take her somewhere it also forces a date mm-hmm. night which is great right um i find that those are the gifts yeah that are memorable that are significant and you know time is a finite resource so giving of it is is always a generous gift take my child like give me a night <laughs> without my child that is like the best Baby gift ever city. like gift that keeps on that's always the tough part is i love doing um like what i used to do for my in-laws was i would buy a bunch of like theater candy and wrap it up really pretty in like a, a popcorn bowl or whatever and like give them tickets to the movie but the babysitting was included in that uh because otherwise it's like well this is great but what am i going to do with this you know dependent small human here. So if you have friends who have kids and you feel comfortable offering to watch those tiny humans for a finite amount of time, I will say as a parent, I, that is like the best gift. It doesn't even have to be at night. You can just take them for a couple hours during the day and I cannot be yelled at for like two to three hours. That would be amazing. Yes, completely. (laughs) I'll say when it comes to gift giving strategy for that, as far as like 
what to give or um, <clears throat> if, if to ask or not, or do you make it, do you not? If it comes, I've found over time, if it comes in the form of like an action, like babysitting, or let I'll treat you to a dinner at your favorite restaurant. I'll usually get crafty and make like a theoretical gift certificate and make, like emboss it if I can and do the crafty stuff. But I make them uh, with a required date chosen on the date of giving because otherwise people forget. Um, like that. And or make it into a magnet or like glue a little, put it on the fridge and then they don't forget it. But um, but I think it's perfectly for a game within at least two weeks, if not more time, to ask people what they're interested in receiving, um, because otherwise it it feels pressed. But also lists are better. I always ask for lists because I don't want them to know what I'm getting them. I want it to be a surprise, or I'll kind of riff off of the list. But uh, like in my family, unless you clarify general things you're interested in at the moment or things you actually want explicitly, you get lumped into like, oh, Sarah, she likes geeky brain stuff and uh, she likes video, video games. I'll give her some stuff around that, which is always nice, but I'd like stuff besides brain stuff and video games. So I'm always clear on like, right now I'm into this hobby or that hobby. And then it's like, oh, okay. So the, the danger is people, it's kind of the same as wedding gifts. They'll give you things you don't actually want or need. I mean, at least your family knows you're into geeky, brainy game stuff. <laughs> it, it, it could be like, Sarah, she's really into cashmere sweaters, right? Let's just well, cashmere sweaters. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really curious, Have what's like the coolest or most unique thing that you've ever given and that you've ever received? Cause I can think of like the quirkiest thing I've ever given. Um, I got my husband a, a subscription to bacon of the month club. <laughs> it was oh my God. awesome. That was um, a year amazing. of amazing bacon. <laughs> At least in, in terms of receiving when I was a kid. Um, so to this day, I still love office supplies. Like I'm not allowed to go down any kind of office supply aisle unchaperoned because otherwise I come back with like 10 different kinds of Sharpies and pens and like you really do need seven different kinds of tape if you want to do life properly. And so one year my mom got this huge like dress box and filled it with like everything from the office supply aisle from pens and paper and hole punches and stationery and tape and just like everything you could imagine. And that obviously that was like 20 odd years ago. And I still remember that as one of my favorite, favorite um, gifts. I'll say as a kid, the gift that stands out the most was I just have to look up the name of the horse. I got a rainbow Dite bright doll and her horse, which I think it's called starlight. <laughs> yeah. Starlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had, it's the eighties cause I'm old. Um, and this is, I'm holding my hands up, which I'm realizing is great for a podcast. It's probably <laughs> like a, the Rainbow Bright Doll was a plushie, kind of like a foot tall, and she could sit on the Starlight horse, and they were just amazing. Um, I think the favorite gift I've given was I gave my husband a case filled with coupons for date nights with different ideas for dates. Um Aww which was a lot of, it was fun because like it was stuff for us to do together and it, I had to take time to really think about what each thing was and stuff. But Sarah, I did not put a date on them. And so <laughs> we did two <laughs> out of like- They sit there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we also they started having kids pretty quickly thereafter. Yeah. Um, and that definitely throws a ringer in date night. <laughs> I know that. I love making like custom gift combos, like uh, a fishing kit for my dad. So like a tackle box with a bunch of different lures for the fish that he could possibly catch in a place that he goes or like a kitchen based thing for my mom. So like she needed a plate and this thing and that thing and she doesn't have this kind of serveware. So I'd, I'd make like a little basket. Um, favorite gift? is really hard to identify um or just like the quirkiest something that just stands out as like oh yeah that was a thing quirkiest well it's really hard okay so maybe it's not a gift itself but it's the practice so when i was very young i was 
three, four, no, two, three, just old enough to recognize what was going on. My brother used to know, oh, the presents are under the tree and he would peek. And so my mom from that, from he, his age of like six or seven and my age of, of three or four had not put our names on Christmas gifts until this previous year. Uh, she came up with more and more elaborate puzzles, riddles, rhymes, and like situations for us to have to figure out like combos of papers and bows and sonnets and names and uh, it's her creativity is astounding. Um, and it was just one of those things you, you never forget. And I remember the year my sister-in-law joined us for her first Christmas with our family and she almost walked out because it was so frustrating and hard to solve the puzzle that my mom had gone all out and it was like oh let's work it out together come on we can do this <laughs> but my mom my mom does phenomenon. that too to this day like if yeah. so so you are you are heard and validated because someone yes. may have been a bit of a snoop i'm not saying who but oh. they have employed the scientific method to investigate the <laughs> gifts under the tree um, and so my mom like deployed measures. Like one time I really wanted a fluffy robe. And so my mom had this big box and then she put like three cans of tuna in it, like sealed cans of tuna with the robe. So that way when I picked it up and shook it, it was heavy and it made sound. Um, so yes, but yes, like the, yep. the pairing of paper with bows is for one child or there's some rhyme or reason that you have to figure. Yes. And that's yep. part of the fun. Oh Yeah. And we played in band, both my brother and I. So when there were years where we knew we were getting instrument related items, we could guess by box shapes and stuff. And we figured it out way beforehand because she'd like the month before have her system down, have it orchestrated. But she'd wrap things in like, I think I got a flute mouthpiece in a, like a giant Tupperware storage bin surrounded by those cardboard bricks we played with as kids. And it was <laughs> totally <That's> awesome. <laughs> See, I was the opposite. Like, I love surprises and I love experiencing Same. things. So, like, I never peeked. <laughs> My mom was a huge peeker when she was a kid. And, like, at, at some point she was trying to get me to, like, look at the gifts my grandmother had gotten us. She's like, come on, you got to peek. I'm like, no, it's Christmas is, like, in two days. I am not peeking. I'm not spoiling myself of the surprise of opening this gift in two days. And she'd be like, come we're, on. <laughs> we're just different people. Um <laughs> So for, for the record, I just want to be very clear. I never wanted to know what it was. I never like peek peeked. I just wanted the challenge of trying to figure it out. And then on Christmas morning being like, I was right. So just for, for clarity, I didn't want to know. I wanted the surprise, but I also wanted the challenge of like Sherlock Holmesing deductive reasoning, you know, boards with red string and arrows and paper clippings. Like that's. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I think the best gifts that I give are probably to my husband. Every year I get him a bottle of whiskey. He really likes drink whiskey. So I try to find like random ones and usually I have to get them imported um, from different places. Last year I got him the Game of Thrones whiskey. I drove to like multiple stores to find the House Stark whiskey. Um, it was very hard. Um so yeah, this year he's getting one uh, that we're having imported from England. It's called Big Pete. It's like a winter. It's got like a Santa on the front. We'll see. Um, but yeah, he enjoys it very much. And then received, you know, I get really good gifts from Reddit Secret Santa. I do Reddit Secret Santa every year. And every year I am surprised by the gifts that I get. And I think I, I remember them fondly as being such good gifts because they're so random. Like they're almost always pug related. Like last year I got a pugs dressed up as Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Cause I also love the Beatles like framed. And it's just like this oil painting of like Beatles and like the Sergeant Pepper coats. Like it's amazing. And it's in my living room and it's great. And I would have never bought it if someone didn't buy it for me. Um, and I have like pug scarves and totes and bags. And actually my neighbor the other day was like, why do you wear so much pug stuff? And I'm like, I think I got all of this from Reddit Secret Santa. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade version was like the peak of my childhood Christmas. I remember getting that and being so happy. I see head nods because we were all of the same generation. That was epic when I got that for Christmas. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. 
So everybody, what have you been noodling on over the past weeks? I'm really excited. I found, I finally got confirmation that the course I wanted to teach next semester um, is finally up in the registrar and it's called the psychology of video games. Yay! And I'm so, so excited. Uh, and most of the noodly bits have come. I shared it. I'm like, Hey, look what's happening. And then I had, um, uh, you know, so, uh, several people, not a bunch, but like a couple several or so. Um, that's very odd numbering. Anyway, uh, like ask, Oh, can I see your syllabus? And I'm like, Oh, I should probably make one of those. <laughs> so I like, I pitched this class and it has a really lovely little description, but I have like no idea or I have ideas, but I don't know the structure. I don't have a syllabus or anything. So I've been, um, noodling on, Oh my God, this thing actually exists. How do I make this thing actually go? Cause this is going to happen. Um, provided enough people sign up. So I'm still, I, I think I'll get there. I think I only need five uh, total to run a class, but hopefully more. So yeah, that's what I've been uh, focusing on is, oh my God, this is something that I've wanted to do for so, so long. Holy crap, I actually have to make it happen now. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's where my brain is at. Excited and terrified. Yes, yes, equal parts, yes. <laughs> I know I'm noodling mostly on arranging Christmas and planning said brunch. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I can do an external noodle of uh, cooking. <laughs> uh, and I'm planning Christmas presents. I'm currently looking one thing that, among many, that we did not discuss today that I'm contemplating is ornaments. My mom always gives us series ornaments and personalized ornaments. And so I'm looking for an ornament for our first Christmas as newlyweds. Uh, otherwise... I know. <laughs> Megan's making the oh body language. Um, I was just kind of figuring out next steps with what I'm gonna do professionally because I'm wrapping up a book. I, our uh, an unrelated non-pragmatic princess book news. Uh, Dr. Coert's book, the first positive psychology book ever, called Video Games and Wellbeing by Palgrave. I We're love that you're showing it because we all have I a copy. I don't. <laughs> Mine is still not here and it's my book. What? What? <laughs> and, and it's a podcast. Well, so us showing the cover yes. to each other is so helpful to our listeners. I would like Super helpful. to describe to you in ASMR dulcet tones what, uh, what the book looks like. It is a book shape, rectangular, has a lovely Should red cover. Whisper. Whisper. <laughs> It is a lovely red book with rectangular shape and a gray binding with a nice highlight of orange across the middle while demarcating the halfway point of the book. So at the top, you see the lovely Paul Grave instruction and on the bottom, you see the lovely title and attributions, which reads video games and well-being. Press start. Edited by Rachel Cohort. Very good. Very good. <laughs> There's another ad. It is a book of a series of Palgrave studies in cyber psychology. And so I think in my bittersweet tone, I've been noodling on just kind of like year end. What did I do in 2019? And while some things I tried were unsuccessful and some things had poor timing, uh, other things were wonderful. Like this book has the first chapter I've ever written published in it. So Me too. High five. Same High here. <laughs> Yay! Yes, Look at that, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> the book's pretty great. I'm not going to lie. Um, what, I've, what I've been noodling on is also the book, mostly why it's not here, why I don't have it. But, um, yeah. you know, the games and the psychology of games and game studies generally just has a history of focusing on the negative, which is important because if things affect somebody maladaptively, if things are having a negative impact, you want to study that and you want to know what is happening and what's the root of it. Um, but there's two sides to every coin and the other side of this is the positive influence that games can have. And anecdotally, we've all have our own stories about how games have positively impacted our lives. Um, but from a research perspective, it hasn't gotten as much attention. So this is the first book to focus specifically on the ways in which games can unintentionally improve our 
well-being and facets related to psychological well-being and life satisfaction. Um, all of the noodlers are published in this book, as well as a whole host of other lovely people, clinicians and researchers. And um, I'm really proud of it. It turned out really well. And um, I'm excited that maybe one day it will arrive in my mailbox and I will get to hold it just like you are, are holding it now. <laughs> Well, and I've been noodling on a lot of things. Um, so I'm actually thinking of trying something which I don't think actually exists, which is doing like a part-time sabbatical for like a week or two to uh, get caught up on professional reading, which is something that's, as a person who is tries to strive with being at what I consider not the top of your field, but like just ethical practice is like you need to be continually educating yourself and upping your game in that way and I have not had time for reading um and I'm also wanting to write my own book about tabletop role-playing games in therapy uh but uh I have a good problem which is my practice has taken off and like I've got all these other amazing projects um but that doesn't leave a lot of time and so like really trying to noodle on the logistics of taking um, 15 hours off for a couple of weeks to actually just do a deep dive into reading and writing. So, Do it. Yeah. Professional development. <laughs> so before we close out today, uh, does anybody have gaming confessionals? I have one if we don't, I do a lot of them though. <laughs> but, same, I mean, same. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> it's not a confessional, but Dr. Kelly created a fun little game this week that I played. Um, and it, it, <laughs> yes, yes, she created a game um, for Take This. I don't think it's publicly available, but there's a little intro. She's blushing eight shades and of red. And then it yes. says, like, prepare for the vest quest. There's a quest about collecting vests. And I played this for my daughter, and she will not stop asking me to play vest quest. Mom, can what? we play vest quest? It said it's not a game. It said coming soon. Was like because she can read right so she read it and she's like i read it vest quest let's get our custom-made vest let's find them all for this dr b but yeah so maybe one day it will be can we available can we make a space vest for zoe gotta be a space vest so just full <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> someone someone made a joke about take this as clinical director dr b being in a video game and as someone who has access to tools to make video <laughs> games i was like ha, 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 this will be fun it'll be professional development because i haven't touched unity in a while and it'd be good to like get back in the swing of things just for funsies while i have the time to so i took like three hours one of which was just trying to get the damn thing to export with audio um and it's just, it's, it's not a game. Like it is super not a game. It is literally like, I, I think there's three different um, view changes and then you like click a button and it takes you, did you guys all know to click VestQuest? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, Cause that wasn't rendering for me. Um, and then it has like coming soon. And then there's just this picture of Dr. B that I took that I cartoonified and it just comes scrolls across the screen. And that's all it is. Oh, that's all that's it all is. Um, it's always into it. That is all it takes. Yeah. So I will. I would love to hear what Zoe thinks is going to happen, or what she would like to happen. Um, because I can definitely, I can definitely build that world out. It is uh, something that I very much enjoy doing. Um, and yeah, so so what I'm hearing is a take this Kickstarter <sighs> where the first stretch goal is funding for yeah. Vest Quest. That's what I said yesterday in the staff chat. Let it be noted. I was like, okay, so I smell a Kickstarter happening and perhaps levels of like determining quest items or perhaps design of specific vests or items. Well, one of the most terrifying things as someone who does make games is like, haha, look at this small thing that I made just for funsies. Like this is just a small novelty. And then all of a sudden there's like 10 pages later. Uh, people are like, oh, but what if it was in space? And what if, what if it was like a three D environment where you could touch it and there were cards and there was this? And I'm like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. No, um, I, I am very, del very delighted that uh, it was um, received with such with such adoration. Um, 
yeah, the, the game designer. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but it's all good. Cute. It's all good. It looks fine. Cue everybody who does, know, does not know a single thing about the actual construction of game design <laughs> coming up with wild ideas of content. <laughs> that may have happened. Well, this is why I do D&D, where it doesn't matter because I don't have to code <laughs> it. I just have to BS it. Well, all I will say is that if somebody was looking for a Christmas gift for me and she happened to run her own D&D and wanted to create a quest for me to go on, I'm just saying that would be oh, a really okay. cool present. <laughs> just throwing that out. If it involves dogs, let it be known that Kelly is a wonderful, wonderful dog role player. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> By the way, speaking of just D&D and cute stuff, I got the Humblewood book and DM screen and oh my god, that game is so freaking cute. It's a 5e supplement where you get to play little woodland creatures. Oh, is that the one we saw it unplugged with the little tiny... It's a teeny weeny owl. <laughs> so cute. It is very cute. Can confirm. Yeah. All right. Fun. Well, have happy, safe holidays, everybody. Have fun. and Don't do stupid. No stupid. <laughs> but we will be back in... I don't want to make promises I can't keep. <laughs> <laughs> don't do bad, bad, stupid. How about okay, that? Okay, bad, stupid. Yeah, I can avoid yeah. bad, stupid. Good, stupid, I... You know, mm. tis the season. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll be back in the year of hindsight. Yes. <sighs> <sighs> Happy New Year, Happy listeners. New Year. Happy New Year. is a production of Geeks Like Us. Your hosts for this podcast are doctors Megan Connell, Kelly Dunlap, Rachel Cowart, and Sarah Sawyer. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Audio edited, mixed, and mashed by Amelia Herbst. Follow Geeks Like Us on Twitter at G33KS like us. That's at G33KSLIKEUS. Until next time, keep noodling.